the book of Psalms, chapter number six. Psalms, chapter number six, verse number one. If you found it, say amen. If you found it, say praise the Lord. Amen. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I want to read verse 2 again, if I can. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate. Everybody say meditate. Amen. Meditate day and night. This is the fourth lesson in our series on prayer, and tonight is about meditation and prayer. Meditation and prayer. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your people. I pray, God, that you would bless all the classes that are taking place on our campus. I pray, God, that you would anoint this class. Anoint me, God, to speak and to preach and teach your word. Anoint our ears to hear. God, I pray you have your way in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. This first psalm is a psalm of contrast. It compares the life of a blessed man with the life of an ungodly man. It says that the ungodly are like chaff driven away from the presence of the Lord by the wind. It says they will not stand in judgment and their way shall perish. That's the kind of life that I don't want. Amen. That's the kind of life that I don't want. But the Bible says that the blessed man, it's the contrast to the life of the unrighteous man. The blessed man doesn't take the advice of the ungodly. You ever wondered why people get advice from people whose lives are as bad or worse than theirs? You ever wonder that? Nobody but just a handful of us. I'm like, people, people get advice from people whose lives are a wreck. The Bible said that blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't expect somebody that don't make good decisions for themselves to make good decisions for you. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners. The blessed man doesn't take the advice of the ungodly. He also does not habitually spend more time with sinners than he does with the righteous. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners. He's not, 
He doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. He's not a mocker. He's not, he doesn't scoff. He's not, he's not one that's always finding fault and negative about stuff. The blessed man delights in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. The blessed man delights in the law of the Lord, the word of the Lord, the commandments of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. The result of this kind of lifestyle is the Bible said they're like trees planted by rivers of water that bring forth their fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Everybody say prosper. Amen. I want to prosper. I, I want to prosper spiritually for sure. So if I want to have a prosperous life, then I need to have the, the qualities that make me prosperous in my life. And one of those is clearly that a blessed man loves, delights the, in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. Now, back when we first started this series on prayer, I, I preached a message. If you haven't, if you haven't heard it is called another level of prayer man God moved in a mighty way that Sunday morning and the Lord kind of led me to to talk about prayer I had I had uh, one of our church members that have come here from somewhere else over the and and been in church for years and they told me that in all the years they'd been in church they never heard a series on prayer I couldn't hardly believe it but but I don't know that we emphasize prayer enough I think we, we emphasize worship, we emphasize a, a lot of things, but I'm not sure we emphasize prayer enough. As a matter of fact, I know we don't. The Bible said my house shall be called a house of prayer. I think the thing that when people think about the Pentecostal church, the thing they ought to think about the most is how we pray. When somebody in the community needs prayer, the first people they ought to think about is the Pentecostal church. Amen. His house is a house of prayer. And so when we talk about prayer, one thing that I'm not sure that we talk about nearly enough is meditation in prayer. Now, we are apostolic Pentecostals. We like our volume. And we like our, we like our, our action, don't we? Y'all with me tonight? As Pentecostals, we've done a lot of things right. We've emphasized worship. We've emphasized the Spirit. We emphasize the name of Jesus. We emphasize living a holy life. But we have failed to make meditation a big deal when it comes to how we live our life. Meditation is taking time to listen to God's voice. It's pausing from the practice of, of prayer and worship to hear and contemplate God and his word. John Ortberg wrote, quote, following Jesus simply means learning from him how to arrange my life around activities that enable me to live in the fruit of the spirit. Arranging my life around activities that help me to live in the fruit of the spirit. If you have activities in life that make it harder to live for God, guess what those activities need to do? They need to go away, don't they? 
they need to go away. If you have things in your life that you know are a wedge between you and the presence of God, then those activities need to be dealt with. What, but it's not only about moving things out of our life, it's about moving things into our life. Adopting practices that make us better Christians and better people. And so our theme as a church is to be disciples and make disciples, right? Now, I'm of the opinion that you're not really a disciple unless, unless you're helping make a disciple in some way. And I think the Bible's of that same opinion, by the way. I read a great definition of spiritual disciplines. It's, it defines spiritual disciplines as any activity that can help me gain power to live life as Jesus taught. Any activity that can help me live life as Jesus taught. And so when we talk about meditation, what is prayer? Give me, somebody, somebody give me a definition of prayer that just comes to mind quick. Talking, talking to Jesus, talking to God. I think I heard the same thing three or four. Prayer is communication with God. Prayer is talking to him. Now, how many of you are married? How many of you in your marriage, only one of you does all the talking, and if any man raises his hand, you are about to get punched. <laughs> For the record, I left my hand down. <laughs> There's no such thing as a relationship where one person does all the talking. But how many of us take time in prayer to be quiet and just listen for God to speak? We like the noise. We like the action. But we don't like solitude and silence but I'm going to tell you that the Bible teaches the art and the act of meditation if you look it up if you do a search you'll find that that the that the Bible speaks a whole lot about meditation notice this verse with me Hebrews 12 and 25 Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 25 it says see that you refuse not him that speaketh see that you refuse not him that speaketh so what do we learn from that? God speaks. God does speak. We've got to receive what he says. Now notice what it says here. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth. This is talking, you read the context, this is talking about Moses. He was talking about how they did not listen when Moses spoke on the earth. He said, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. How much more shall, we, shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven? When God talks to us, we need to be listening. When God speaks, we need to be listening. And so he contrasts this Old Testament people who refused to listen to Moses to those to whom God speaks to from heaven. And he said, they, those that didn't listen to Moses escaped not. And he said, if they didn't escape for not listening to Moses, he said, we're going to be in big trouble if we don't listen when God speaks to us. We've got to make time. We've got to make time to listen to God. There was a German theologian named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. If you never studied him, his life is fascinating. He, 
He uh, was a German preacher in the time of the Third Reich of Nazi Germany. And, uh, and he took strong stands against what was called the Reich Church. The Reich Church was the official sanctioned church of the Communist Party. And, or I'm sorry, not the Communist Party, the Nazi Party. And uh, he took strong stands. As a matter of fact, it cost him his life. He was executed in April of 1945. And if you ever get a chance to read his writings, uh, he's a fantastic writer. But someone asked him one time why he did meditation, why he meditated on the Word and in prayer. And his answer was simple. He said, because I am a Christian. Why do you meditate? Because I am a Christian. I believe meditation is a lost art among Pentecostals. Amen. Meditation is more than detaching from the cares of the world, but it's attaching to Jesus Christ. Psalms 85 and 8, I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. But let them not turn again to folly. He said, I will hear. In this passage, Psalms 85 this passage, he, he it, a, little, a couple of verses up higher, I didn't give it to him in the back, and a couple of verses higher, he says, will thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? He said, will you be angry with us forever? Will you draw out, draw out thine anger to all generations? He's asking God, when am I going to get my revival? And then he stops from asking those questions. He said, I will hear what God the Lord will speak. We need to take time to listen to what God says. Now, Dr. Jennifer Berry, she pointed out that research shows that meditation can relieve stress and have relaxing effects, partially due to the fact that when we, when we get in that state where we get quiet and we shut off all the noise. Um, what I'm getting ready to say is me. It's not the Bible. But at some point, you might need to turn your music off when you pray and just have some silence, okay? Amen. Again, that's me. I don't have a book, chapter, or verse for it necessarily. But it's important that we learn the practice of silence in the presence of the Lord sometimes. This, you never dreamed you'd hear a Pentecostal preacher say that, would you? But there are times when you just have to learn to stop and not let, not let a musician or a singer do your thinking for you. Amen. Isaiah 26 and 3, thou will keep him in perfect peace. I know there's no one here that wants perfect peace. Let's just skip that verse. Nobody here wants peace, right? No, we all want it, don't we? He said... Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. If your mind is on him, you trust him. Amen. Marriage and family and addiction therapist, Dr. Paul Hochmeyer, he said this and I quote, he, he's, he's in something that, that's called psychotheology. They're, They've, they've learned, they've watched people and they've watched people that are devoutly religious 
and they see that their lives are different than other people's. And so they're developing this field of psychology to see how, how religion and, and real devoted religion affects people. And here's what, what this doctor wrote. He said, quote, prayer and meditation are highly effective in lowering our reactivity to, to, to traumatic and negative events. They are powerful because they focus our thoughts on something outside of ourselves. Isn't that an awesome quote? They are powerful because they focus our thoughts on something outside of ourselves. We become obsessed by our circumstances. Anybody ever have something in your life that's not going how you wish it would and you cannot get it off your mind? Amen. I, I've, I've got a project I'm working on in my backyard and, and it was, you know, that rain was coming and I was trying to get it done. And I woke up yesterday morning, 208, with that on my mind, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't do anything about it. I just laid there. My mind, and, 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 but, but we do that, don't we? Things in life get on our mind. They get on our, and, and, and we've got to somehow find a way to get our mind to think about something outside of ourselves. Donald Whitney pointed out that reading the Bible is exposure, exposure to the scripture. Reading the Bible is exposure to scripture, but meditation is the absorption of scripture. All right, I'm about to get myself in trouble here. I, in, in, studying, in studying this, I did a lesson last year on how to study the Bible. I don't know if you remember that, where I brought my computer up and I went through the process and we did it on meditation. And, and, uh, and meditation has, has a couple of veins. I'm primarily relating it to prayer, but true meditation is not only on prayer, but it's on the word of the Lord. In his law does he meditate day and night. Here's where I'm getting ready to get myself in trouble. Sister Sylvia Blackard wrote a paper for her master's program on meditation, and it is excellent. I actually reread it again today as part of preparation for this. I don't know if she'd let you read it, but if she would, I'd suggest you get her, you ask her for an email, you give your email to her. It is fantastic. It's about meditation on the scripture and how it affects our emotions in our life. So that's, uh, that, that, my Bible study doesn't need to be as long tonight if you'll get hers and read it. It was fantastic. And I just want to say that publicly. Um, I suggest that you ask if you can get a copy of it. But, but we're in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual battle, and it's primarily a battle of the mind. Dr. Henry Nguyen, he said that our minds, now this, this, is, this sounds funny, but if you, if you stop and think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Henry Nguyen said that our minds are like banana trees with little monkeys jumping up and down looking for attention. He says, our minds struggle to focus and stay spiritual. So many different thoughts, always. Like he said, like little monkeys jumping up and down, wanting attention, distractions constantly. A group of, of thinkers, ancient thinkers called the Desert Fathers, they called those types of thoughts by a Greek word, logisomai. I'm sure I said that wrong. He, he, and, and they say that it's like clods of dirt in our brain. The Greek word refers to these 
thoughts and desires that is leading to sin and despair. They're, they're relentless. The battle's in the mind. The battle's in the mind. Amen. The battle is in the mind. Feelings of hopelessness. Feelings of, of, of all kinds of doubt. Feelings of, of trouble, despair, discouragement, anxiety, depression, this and that. All these thoughts constantly vying for attention in your mind. And you get, you get your mind off something to, to, and, then, and then you, I know I'm not talking to anybody here, right? Only me. The battle's in the mind. The battle's in the mind. One ancient writer, John Climacus, he, he compared these thoughts to, and, and this is gross, but I'm going to say it anyway, to maggot eggs that incubate in the soil of our fallen nature. We think godly thoughts and then within a breath, the jumping monkeys or the maggot eggs, as they said, distract us. One moment I want to hear from God, the next moment my mind's thinking about something else. You ever do that? And I was going down the highway. I, had to, I was going down the highway to preach in uh, Trinity, Alabama on Saturday. And I was listening to a podcast. I think it was like about maybe like, like Wild Bill Hickok, one of those old history podcasts about one of those old sheriffs. And I re-listened to the first five minutes ten times because my mind kept wandering. And I'm like, what, am I, what are they talking about? I'd rewind it and go back. And then, and then within ten seconds, I was thinking about something else. And, I'd re- and I spent the whole trip up there nearly just listening to the same five minutes over and over. I got those jumping monkeys in my head. The battle is in the mind. It's distraction. There's so many things going on in the world. And our minds are distracted all the time. But if we don't win the battle of the mind, we cannot win the battle of the soul. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, what are the strongholds that need pulled down? What are the strongholds? Verse number five, casting down imaginations. What are imaginations? Thoughts, right? You with me? And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Where's knowledge? In your mind. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You got to learn to control your jumping monkeys. The mind is a battlefield, it's the center of spiritual warfare. You have to subdue the monkeys in your mind. Psalms 19 and 12 through 14. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. The psalmist said, who, who really understands their own? Everybody's right in their own eyes, right? Everybody's right in their own eyes. I've never had a counseling session where anyone's ever come in and said, I'm the whole problem. They don't do anything. It's all me. I've had them in there for three hours. I don't do three-hour sessions anymore. You've got an hour. It's over. 
three-hour sessions I've done before, and it's just one thing after another. That you'd think that they, there's not a single thing about the other person they like. But they never sit there and say, you know what, it's me. Who can understand his errors? It's hard for us to see our own faults. It's hard for us to see our own weaknesses. Every man is right in his own eyes. He said, cleanse thou me from secret faults. Help me deal with the things in my life that I don't even know are there. Help me. Look at the next verse, verse 13. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. That's proud or arrogant sins. Keep me from doing things that come out of my pride and my own arrogance. I think I can do it on my own. I don't think I need help. I think I'm okay. I don't really need this Bible study. I think I got it down. That's a presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. Don't let me become a victim. That word dominion means to govern over or to reign. It's like a king has dominion over a kingdom. He said, don't let those kind of thoughts have dominion. Don't let them rule my mind. Then shall I be upright. I can't be upright as long as I let those false thoughts and ways rule my mind. And I shall be innocent from the great transgression. If I can get those things, those, those thoughts under control, then I can overcome anything, right? Look at verse 14. Let the, this my, man, I pray this almost every time I pray. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It's not only about what we say. It's about what we let our heart dwell on. We learn the right phrases and our heart be thinking about just the opposite all the time, right? God, let the meditation of my heart be acceptable. Let me have my heart set on the right things. So we should, we, here's some, some, just some quick trip, tick, tick. <laughs> jumping monkeys. Quick tips. We should try to pick a scripture every day to meditate on. We should try to pick a scripture every day and repeat it. Get it in our spirit. Think about it. Ponder it. Think about its words. Think about what it means. Think about its implications to our life. The Bible said that the godly meditate on the law day and night. The law is the word of God. I'm not going to pick on our young folks because, man, we got great young people. But if I was going to pick on them, I'd ask them to give me some statistics on a ball player, maybe. And then I'd ask them to give me a Bible verse. What do we meditate on? Nothing wrong with having activities in life, but we need to make sure that we meditate on the word of the Lord. It needs to be a daily thing, day and night. There's several verses in the Bible where they talk where the psalmist talked about laying in bed and thinking about the law and the word of God, thinking about the goodness of God. 
I've wondered, it was at least four or five different verses. I started to put them in and I thought, my Bible study's gonna be too long. I'll probably leave those out. And here I am wishing I'd have put them in because I'm talking about them anyway. But I got thinking about why, why are there so many verses about laying in bed and thinking about the goodness of God and the works of the Lord? And I got thinking about it because most people, when they lay down in bed, is when their mind races to all the stuff going on in life, the troubles, the cares, the worries. Anybody's stress ever chase your sleep away? Your jumping monkeys keep you awake? You're supposed to be counting sheep, and instead you got jumping monkeys in your head. The cares of life. When, when you're trying to shut down the, the, all those thoughts. And I think that's why there's so many verses that talk about laying in bed and meditating on the goodness and the greatness and the word of the Lord. I think that the devil fights sleep until you start quoting scripture and then he wants you to sleep. So we should pick scriptures and think about it. Repeat it over and over. And I've said this before, but if you notice, when we have guest preachers, almost every time they say a verse, I'll write it down. I'll write it down because those notes, because I figure that if God's speaking to the church and I'm part of the church, then that, that's the scripture he's, he's doing. So, Brother Wilson, when you're, when you're preaching and I'm writing, I'm not writing, uh, I'm, I'm not writing notes to other people. I'm writing the scriptures because... I want to go back the next day and I want to think about those verses. I want to have them because that's what God's speaking to the church. And so we should repeat those, those, those scriptures over and over. And, and again, Sister Sylvia's paper that she wrote primarily deals with meditation on the word. And so if you want to, if you want to get that, uh, if she gives me permission, I can email it to you or whatever. But however, if you want to, that's, it's primarily, I'm talking about spending time in prayer in meditation and prayer. We should take time when we pray for just quiet where we do not talk. I normally do this at the end of my prayer times, my personal private prayer times, and that's when God generally speaks to my heart. I usually write my thoughts down. I got little pieces of paper all over my office, all over my house. I got notes in my phone because when I get quiet, I can hear what God speaks. If I'm doing all the talking, then, then there, that's not relationship. I just got to stop sometimes and just meditate on what I feel like the Lord's dealing with me about. I want you to remember four C's. Number one, concentrate. Man, that's hard to do in a social media world. Social media has programmed people to only be able to pay attention for just a few seconds at a time. It used to be, I used to teach uh, homiletic classes to young preachers, and I used to tell them that about every five minutes you need to tell a story or a joke or do something because people are used to five minutes than a commercial. And I, and I used to tell them about every five minutes you gotta do something to kind of change, to regather attention. But now in the social media wor world, it's like every 10, 15 seconds because we don't know how to concentrate anymore. But if you're gonna meditate in the presence of the Lord, you've got to force your mind. I know nobody ever deals with that when you pray. That you're praying and then 10 seconds later, your mind's on, I gotta do this, I gotta do that. And then you think about it and you, you, you mentally beat yourself up a little bit. And then you, I'm gonna, then you concentrate again and then 20 seconds later, you're thinking about something. You ever, anybody ever deal with that? 
You know what you do when that happens? You punch yourself right in the, no, you don't punch yourself right in the face. You just stop and, 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 and refocus. That's all you do. Don't beat yourself up. Doesn't mean you're a horrible Christian or a horrible, horrible person. It means you're a human. You got jumping monkeys in your brain. You just have to refocus. And then you just, and start from there. But focusing, when you concentrate, you focus your attention on God and on his presence. Number two, consider. Think about. Think about what scriptures you're reading, what you're saying, and what, you're, and what God's saying. You want to take time to think about it. Don't just rush over it, but stop and think. The word selah in your Bible, it means stop and think. If you read the Psalms, you find it often in there because I think he put it in there because he knew that we've got jumping monkeys in our brains and we have to stop every so often and think. And so consider. I want you to, to concentrate and then consider. Think about what you're saying and what you're feeling from God and what the scripture you're studying says. And then you converse. You talk about it. If you feel like God's dealing with you about something. I, I, I was uh, in the prayer room one time and I was praying about, uh, about the church. And every time I'd ask God to give me something about the church, he would tell me something about me. And then I would stop and pray some more about the church and then he'd tell me something about me. And I told him, I said, if you don't keep talking to me that way, I'm not going to pray anymore for a while. And he knows I'm crazy. But my point is, I started having a conversation. Okay, God, how do I deal with this? Tell me what to do. I concentrated, I considered, and then I started talking to him about what I felt like he was dealing with me about. And then number four is commit. I don't want to just go through the time of prayer and then sit in silence and focus and then, not, and then get up and not do anything about it. Have we ever felt like God dealt with us about something and then we got up, we didn't do anything about it? Don't raise your hands. We got to commit. We got to commit to our lives changing. If it's our habits that need to change, we gotta commit to it. It's not enough to talk about it. It's not enough to think about it. You gotta do something about it. My, my, I get on my, my daughter's nerves for lots of reasons, but one thing is that when I ask them to do something or tell them something, they say, I try. I say, that's a quote I read, there is no try, only do. And then I say, trying is for losers, doing is for winners. You've got to commit. If God deals with you about something, you've got to commit to it. Make the change. Don't just talk about it. Make the change. As you meditate in the silence and quiet, you're opening yourself up to God. I'm telling you, we live in a noisy world. We live in a noisy world. There's stuff news outlets, all kinds of media, all kinds of everything, people in your life, and it's all these voices. And sometimes you just got to get where it's quiet and focus on God and let God renew your mind. Amen. Psalms 
104, 34, the last verse. My meditation of him shall be sweet. Say that with me. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. You can't have gladness by bypassing the process. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. God, I pray, Lord, that you help us to learn to practice silence in your presence. Lord, to hear what you speak, to allow you to impress our mind and our spirit. God, to focus our thoughts and to get away from the noise, to get away from all the distractions. God, you know, you created these minds of ours. The greatest computer in the history of the world is in the is the mind of a human. And God, you gave us these minds. But God, the enemy wants to influence them. Help us, oh God, to win the war of the mind. Help us, God, to learn how to concentrate on you, how to focus on you, how to give you our attention, how to turn off the distractions and the media and to turn off the thoughts that constantly try to invade our mind and to focus on you. God, I pray that you help us to consider what you speak. Help us, God, Lord, to commit our way. Lord, I pray that you would help us to make this part of our regular practice in your presence. It's a discipline as much as prayer, as much as Bible reading, God, that we need to apply to our life. My meditation of you shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. Help us to grow in you, Lord. Help us to become better disciples of you and to make disciples in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed in the name of the Lord.